Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. On Finest Work Songs, we just love to talk about classic albums, classic music. It might be something that's universally loved, like Van Morrison's Moondance or Weezer's Blue album. Or it might be something that's a little bit more behind the scenes or underrated. But at the end of the day, we just love to get together and talk about classic music. Today we're going to be reviewing Lucinda Williams' Car Wheels on a Gravel Road. Before you hop into the music, it's time for Share Time. Season nine, kicking it off with share time. Go. I feel bad even saying this again, but that is not share. Matt, we've been doing this for almost 100 epipods. I know. I'm pretty sure I know who you share. You know music about as well as anyone I know. You just don't know share. That's, that's not, not share? That's not share. Ah, oh, jeez. All right. While I look up who share is, why don't you tell people what share time One is? One of these days. Share time is our opportunity to share out a recommendation or a referral for uh, maybe a book or a tv show or a podcast or something else that we've been listening to or gotten into recently that we just want to pass along to the the finest work fans all right what do you have for us today Matt? for share time this week i have for you all the book path lit by lightning by david moranis and it's about jim thorpe who oh, yeah. i remember hearing about as a kid just what an incredible athlete he was. I feel like his story has faded in the last few decades. So it was really interesting to dive in. It's an extremely exhaustive look at his life. Pro football player, pro baseball player, U.S. Olympian. The Bo Jackson of the day, man. Yeah, the Bo Jackson of his day came from a rough background at a time when Native Americans were sent off to schools to be assimilated and, and all yeah. that. And just a highly accomplished person with a pretty sad, tragic life. You know, I always like to bring it back to North Carolina. Part of that tragedy oh was while he was still technically a college student at the Carlisle School in Pennsylvania, he played summer baseball in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. You did it. I did it. Ding. Ding. That ended up being something that had his Olympic medals taken away from him because it was what? It, really? it, it like impacted his quote amateur status as an Olympian. It's a really deep dive into the life of maybe one of our most accomplished and underrated American heroes. Yeah, I grew up hearing about Jim Thorpe and really haven't. By all accounts, his athleticism isn't something that could be diminished. Yeah, I think even in the, the Olympics in Stockholm, he ended up wearing borrowed shoes in like the triathlon. What? And they, they were mismatched. Like they weren't even. The heck? Yeah, I mean, Why just. Golly. Yeah. So, what do you have for us for share time? All right, Matt. I'm. A little bit of a company man here with this, Uh-oh. but there's a new CT podcast. Oh, nice. And full disclaimer, I work for CT Media. We got a new one called Be Afraid, Ooh. and it digs into the 50th anniversary of The Exorcist. Whoa. It gets into horror movies in the horror genre. Interesting. It says, it's an exploration of fear, faith, and stories that scare the hell out of us. They talk to filmmakers, critics, even psychological scientists and psychologists, and around this time of Halloween yeah. and scary movies that are everywhere. 
and only getting scarier. Right. This is going to be a cool podcast. I like that a Christianity Today podcast is leaning into this. We've already gotten emails about it, just from the trailer. Oh, really? Yeah, they're like, it's too dark. What are you doing with darkness? I just remember <laughs> years ago, I was working for a small community newspaper, and we would get quote-unquote news releases from local organizations. And I remember around this time getting one, and it was from a local church promoting their fall festival. Oh, yeah. Their harvest festival, yeah. trunk or treat, and all this stuff. That's right. And the way they led into it was like, oh, through the many years on the darkest eves of this night, your witches and ghouls come out. And that's why we've decided to have a fall festival. Instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and it was yeah. like, oh, okay. Matt, have I ever told you my experience with the fall festival? No. Born in Norfolk, raised there until till 83. Okay. And we moved to Virginia Beach. So Halloween came around and I got invited to, to go to this kid Jason's church. Jason Voorhees? Who? Friday the 13th. Oh. <laughs> is that his last name? Jason Voorhees. Yeah. Voorhees? Voorhees, yeah. Who wrote that movie? Why is his name Voorhees? I've n- I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So yeah, so I got invited to this kid's Halloween thing at his church. And I'm new and I'm just like, yeah, whatever. I'm glad to have some friends. Let me back up by saying, growing up in Norfolk, my grandparents would open up the garage. My grandma would dress like a witch. Oh, yeah. So Halloween was always a fun family yep. thing for us. And so I walked down the street, and I think I didn't even have a costume. I, I would just put on green face paint and yeah, yeah. rip a sweatshirt and be like a zombie or ghoul or whatever. Right. I just like doing that. And I walked down there, and Jason and Matt, of course, there's another Matt. Sure. His name is Matt Drain, so we call him Drain. Drain and Jason were dressed up like football players. Okay. And I was down there dressed like this monster or whatever. Yeah. I will never forget being on Jason's porch, and Jason said to his dad, why do we go to this festival at church instead of trick-or-treating? And his dad said, Jason, Halloween is a holiday that celebrates the devil. If you celebrate Halloween and go trick-or-treating, then you worship the devil. Okay. And I'm standing there, eight years old. Having trick-or-treated all your life. All my life. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, so I'm a devil worshiper, and my grandparents and my parents. And They're all evil. All of us are evil. <laughs> and so we went to this fall festival at this Baptist church. First of all, nobody dressed up. So Jason and Drain were nerds because they were dressed like football players and nobody was dressed up anyway. But I was dressed like the monster and they did not know what to do with me. Everyone treated me like, oh boy. Yeah, it's funny that then years later I go and start a church. And part of my (laughs) impetus for that is welcoming people. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) A little scarring. I can imagine so. But even then I just thought, y'all are idiots. Yeah. I trusted my parents and grandparents. Yeah. If you want to pull on that thread, so much of the timing and the times of the year that we celebrate things as Christians are tied back to other like pagan, pagan holidays. holidays. Yeah, that's right. Where do you stop pulling on that thread? Yeah. I'm very excited for Be Afraid, especially this time of year. Get to the spooky time. All right, listeners, before we jump into the music, we'd like to start with our memories. Matt, what is your memory of Lucinda Williams? I have almost zero memories of Lucinda Williams other than hearing so much about her particularly around the time this album came out. What about you? What's your memory of Lucinda? All right, so I taught middle school in Chapel Hill, Carborough. Mm-hmm. Decided to leave that. You get paid through the summer. So I had a great summer. I just <laughs> traveled around and drove cross country and everything. But when I came back, I realized, oh, I got to get a job here. Because being in these two bands that don't make money aren't going to make me any money. Sure. I'm looking in the independent, which is a local free reader. It used to be cool. I won't get into it, but I think it's terrible. <laughs> Thanks to our sponsor, the independent. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. There was an advertisement. Here's what it said, Matt. Warehouse position, creative environment. 401k and benefits, good free coffee. Sign me up. Yeah. 
I get to go work in a warehouse where it's a creative environment. I don't know what this is, you know, but I go and interview. And this is for a business that has since closed. And it is a bead store. B-E-A-D. Yeah. Called Ornamentia. I remember Ornamentia. And so by warehouse, they meant the upstairs of this bead store packaging beads. Which, if I remember correctly, the bead store was in a not very big space. Yeah, that's right. So they're using the term warehouse. Yeah, a not a warehouse. Loosely. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the whole thing was considered a warehouse yeah. that they turned into a store. Mm-hmm. But the shop area, you walked up the stairs. It was Leanne and Kiona and I. I literally looked over the edge and could see people down there shopping. Gotcha. So it was more like a loft above the offices. Mm-hmm. I weighed beads on these tiny scales with little tweezers and put them in little bags and put stickers on them. The friendships that I made and the relationships mm-hmm. through that store ended up going well beyond the store Good. into music and life and church. Sure. And it's crazy how that works. But I was the only dude that worked there aside from the husband and wife who owned the place. And it was very female forward, female first. Yep. And so their playlist, Matt, was all female artists. Nice. The only full album they had on this playlist was Car Wheels on a Gravel oh, Road. nice. Maybe was 40 songs. Eight hours a day. Oof. 40 songs repeated. So you know this album I know intimately. it pretty well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How was the coffee? Was the coffee good? Yeah, it was great. So Leanne was like the boss up there. She's really funny. And she called me the stock monkey. And <laughs> she wrote this newsletter email that went out. And she put in there one time that the stock monkey is single. <laughs> and she was like trying to get me a date or whatever. Oh, and I kid you not, Matt. And this has nothing to do with me because they didn't know who I was and they didn't see me. They kept you behind the curtain. Yeah, they didn't have a picture of me or anything. I was just up there. But after that, there were a few women shopping but not shopping. Uh-huh. And they were looking up trying to, see to see the, the stock, stock monkey. monkey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good times. Former guest Jeff Wood, mm-hmm. his wife Reagan, who's also a good friend. She worked there. I thought you were going to say she was one of the shoppers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <Looking> no. <up. laughs> And I was like, Reagan, I'm going to tell Jeff. (laughs) No, she worked there. There was a lot of amazing women that worked there. That's awesome. All right, let's jump into this album. Car Wheels on a Gravel Road starts with Right in Time. Lucinda Williams turned 70 this year, Matt. Wow. I've been listening to her audiobook, which she reads. Nice. Her dad was a poet and professor. Mm -hmm. Her mom suffered from mental illness and was an alcoholic. And so a lot of turmoil in her early life. And her dad moved around a lot. He got a residency in Mexico for a year. So she lived down there. Never graduated high school. She protested against racism. And this is in the 60s. And they said, you'll be okay if you don't protest again. She protested again, got kicked out. And her dad was basically just like, I'll just teach at home. Good for him. 
in Mexico, Matt, the American embassy or consulate or whatever, mm -hmm. there was a guy who came over for dinner and heard her and this banjo player. She was like 17. He was like 30. But they were playing together and America paid for Lucinda and this banjo player, Clark Jones, to travel around Mexico and play for high schools, recreation centers, and that sort of thing. So wow. they traveled all around Mexico and played. And that was her first time performing. Wow. Our tax dollars did that? That's right. You're welcome, Lucinda. The, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's really cool. She lived in Texas and lived all over the South yeah. and released a few albums that were blues covers, mm -hmm. had gotten some backing to record in the early 80s. She did that. It didn't really go anywhere. And it wasn't until 88. Mm -hmm. So she'd been going for over 10 yeah. years. Her third album was released on Rough Trade Records, which ironically, Matt, is a British punk label. That's the label the Smiths were on. So wow. that gives you an interesting insight into the type of record company it was. They opened an American office and apparently were told to go find American music. Go find the American version of the Smiths. Ding, founder. <laughs> if you were going to put together like the blueprint for a country or Americana yeah. roots kind of artist, that's about as perfect as you could have. You've got this tough home, moving around a lot in the South, poet, literary father, alcoholic mother. It's almost cliche how spot on it is for it to produce the kind of artist that she is. Feels very authentic. Yeah. Yeah, so she kept being passed over because she was too country for rock and too rock for country. Mm -hmm. And so her albums weren't hitting, but people liked her. Mm -hmm. Respected in the industry, just not chosen. Yeah. It was really one of those cases of where an artist kind of forces the industry to come to her. Rough Trade took a chance on mm -hmm. her, but here's an artist who couldn't get signed and 10 years later wins a Grammy and is the top of the Paz and Jop critics poll. In 1998, which here's who she beat out. Okay. Lauren Hill, which is crazy. Yep. She beat out Bobby D. Oh, man. Live 1966. Could you really, really get nominated for an album that's 22 years old? I guess if you're Bob Dylan, you can. If you're Bob Dylan, you do whatever you want. That's right. She has a Bob Dylan story in her autobiography, Matt. It's early 80s, and she's at a bar that she knows, and, and the owner is like, hey, listen, let me introduce you to my friend, Bobby D. And she realizes it's Dylan, mm -hmm. talks to him for a while, is enamored. She describes it as almost a religious experience. Right. But on the way out, she positioned herself by the door so he would have to walk by. Walk by. <laughs> he gives her a kiss on the cheek and he just says, let's stay in touch. We're going to tour together. Okay. Right. I was in heaven. I walked on air back to my East Village apartment. Two decades later, Dylan's people approached me about opening shows for him and Van Morrison on a tour they were doing together. Hell yes, I'll do that, I said. We played a few months of shows together. And I never had the opportunity to speak with either Bob or Van the whole time. <laughs> These two old curmudgeony dudes. Oh, my God. They're not even that old at that point. No, they're not. Are there more curmudgeony people? We talked about Van Morrison to kick off the season. Are yeah. there people who are as curmudgeony as those two? A.K.A. the two old guys in the Muppets yeah. <laughs> up in the balcony, right? <laughs> exactly. I can't think of any two off the top of my head, particularly in, in music. You've got people like Axl Rose who has well, these sort of jerks, jerks yeah. not show up or gig or show up three hours late or something like that i wonder if they talk to each other gosh i doubt it what would they talk about how the continental breakfast was cold and they're so upset <laughs> like who opened for who bob dylan doesn't open for anybody yeah but does van morrison open for anybody good point seems like a stalemate the stalemate tour <laughs> 2000 <laughs> yeah coming to your city yeah
thinking about her upbringing and everything that framed her and built her, it really shows through in the songwriting because it's so visual, which I think harkens back to having a, a, a poet professor father and being able to absorb these sights and sounds. And she probably stored them in her head for years and then they make for perfect fodder for a, a love song, a song about loss. And she just paints such a good picture. The themes in her writing seem to circle around dudes, the South, mm-hmm. or travel. Yeah. And in many songs, suicide. We talked about that in our Emmy Lou Harris epipod a couple of years back mm-hmm. because Emmy Lou covered Sweet Old World. See what you lost when you left this world. This sweet old world, what you lost when you left this world, this sweet old world. The breath from your own lips, the touch of fingertips, a sweet and The sound of a midnight train Wearing someone's ring Someone calling your name Somebody so warm Cradled in your arms Didn't you think beautiful Mm -hmm. in the autobiography she talks a little bit about some of the people that committed suicide Mm. it's one of the saddest songs about death especially matt since you consider our culture does not do death well no we don't face it well a lot of our efforts are going towards like living longer and trying to prevent it yeah Yeah. and it's inevitable but other cultures and other time periods people faced it they dealt Mm -hmm. with it i'm listening to that an audiobook of spqr okay the history of rome Which you mentioned in a Marco Polo, like you've been meaning to read it. Don't. Don't. <laughs> it's so dry. Okay. Yeah. And also, there's that whole thing going around now. Have you heard about this? How often do you think about the Roman Empire? Oh, yeah. Have you heard about no, this? My kids have mentioned this they, to me. Did they ask you? They asked me. What was your answer? Probably once a week. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And when does it come up for you? I have no idea. It just yeah. pops up randomly. And yeah. I think that's the point, particularly with men. Or at least white dudes. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Middle-aged we, white we guys. Like, we think about the Roman Empire. And yeah, I think I'd said two or three times a month. Which is still too many. It is right? too many. You know? I got a text from MC asking me, and I just said, well, I am listening to an audio book right now. So it's a little skewed. That answers it right there, the fact that you're listening <laughs> you're re- to that You're book. listening to an yeah. audio book about the Roman Empire. In this book, Matt, they talk about death, and in that time period, at a funeral, the relatives would dress up as family members who had died, put a mask on, act like them. Was that as a way to welcome the deceased into the afterworld? Or maybe. Maybe just celebrate. Celebrating the family. The life and the family and everything. Can you imagine that now? Okay, who's going to dress up as the drunk uncle? <laughs> <laughs> who's going to dress up as the racist grandma? <laughs> and you have to go around saying like, you have to say awful Terrible things, things yeah. and make everybody uncomfortable. Yeah, who's going to dress up as the adulterer or the embezzler? <laughs> the pedophile. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh, good gosh. <laughs> Isn't that funny, though? So strange. Yeah, I'd love to know the impetus for that. Like, what the 
point of that was. It is still weird, though, that like even other cultures outside of mm-hmm. the U.S. face death better than yeah. we do. Not that it's something that should be embraced, right? but we just don't face it well. We ignore it. We pretend it's not there. And as a Christian, the whole belief is based on this world isn't the end. Right. That there is a... It's just a blip in time with yeah. this world. And there's and better things to come. Yeah. That Christ promised to make all things new and wipe away every tear and that you have everlasting life. Mm-hmm. And yet we still, for people who believe that, they say that, but they often don't know what to do or yeah. say at funerals or, or how to deal with it. Right. It's a weird thing to profess that, but then not live that out. Even with all that, I've always wanted to have a Viking funeral. I want my body put in a canoe, yep. run me out in the lake, shoot a burning arrow at it. I got you, man. How's your archery skills? I'll work on it. Okay. Yeah. I, I pledge that, man, I will practice. What makes you think I'm going first? Dude, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll fire that arrow, man. I'll, okay. I'll nail it. Sweet. They'll probably be crying, and I'll nail the arrow into you, and you'll go up in flames. And I'm like, yes! Woo! <laughs> Did it! Crushed it! High-fiving High everybody. High-fiving people. To your kids. Come here, Roman. <laughs> Boom! Chest bump. Sh- Boom! Did you see that? Yeah. From way downtown, bang! I nailed it, y'all. Matt, Matt, <laughs> Matt. You better make that happen. The best part is going to be, like, at the memorial service, I go up, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, your loss. I noticed that he's in a casket. Where's the canoe? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that thing's going to float. Yeah. They're like, what are you talking about? Uh, don't you listen to Finest Work songs? 30 years ago, we did an episode. I, where... I promised on an epipod of Finest Work songs, <laughs> that is a binding contract. <laughs> did he not tell you about it? I storm out of there. <laughs> the whole time you're saying that, you're saying there with a, a flaming arrow. <laughs> it's, just, already it's already lit. lit. <laughs> I was like, I can just shoot him here. <laughs> just, They're like, a, no. It's open casket, which is a little weird, but. <laughs> I storm out of there angrily and then it's a graveside service and they're lowering the body down and from behind a tree an arrow comes up it just or you just you just like walk and stand right above it <laughs> poof Thump. you're welcome pour a little gasoline on it just to make sure all right so we got that planned next song car wheels on a gravel road I'm not a country music expert by any means, but you know, so much of country music historically is telling these stories, being able to describe place and mm-hmm. emotion and all that in a way that's very visual. In some ways, it can be a bit of a trope for a songwriter to talk about Loretta's on the radio or we're listening to Hank. That's used a lot of times, I think, as a way to give them street cred. As I 
dove more into her life and into her journey and all that, it made me realize that's genuine to her. Even the smell of coffee, eggs and bacon. She has this ability to write and sing these almost inane lines of everyday life that I think would speak to so many people. But it takes a poet who can pull that off. You could sing inane lyrics in it. Bacon just... rhymes with bacon. <laughs> Easy. Done rhymes with honey bun. Yeah. yeah. You don't know how spot on that is. <laughs> Jeez. Not even just painting scenes that are familiar, but painting places. Yeah. So not just a kitchen, but the South. Partly because of every other line oh she's mentioning yeah. a Southern city or town. I actually took note of that because it stood out so prominently to yeah. me. Just little notebook start jotting down you and your notebooks my notebooks like the place names that she lists there's at least 15 different wow. southern cities and towns and many of them get multiple references across multiple songs and the other thing is they're only on about half the songs so they're jam-packed into a handful of songs it was almost to the point where i was disappointed that done didn't get referenced <laughs> Or, or yeah, I don't know, Fayetteville. Dunn doesn't know. really sink. Doesn't roll off the tongue. No, but Algiers. She got Algiers. Algiers. In there. She had said she just wanted to put Algiers in a song. Where is Algiers? I don't even know. Algiers is the capital, and largest city of Algeria. Okay. Oh, okay. Well. Yeah. yeah. Great. New Orleans. Well, yeah. there you go. Anytime place names get dropped in the songs. Yeah. I think about that Simpsons episode when Spinal Tap comes to town. Good night, Springton. There will be no encores. With these in particular, I mean, these are all generally deep south places, too. You're not getting Richmond right. and Raleigh. and I'm so glad, though. Anything major feels like it would be inauthentic. Yeah, it would not be authentic with her. Let's continue this southern journey. Too cool to be forgotten. She had been recording with this guy who had been playing in her band for years, and they started off this album, and it just wasn't coming together, and right. she didn't like it. She worked with Rick Rubin. Nothing was going well, and she sang on a Steve Earle song mm -hmm. and loved the way her vocals sounded. Then ended up pulling in Steve Earle and that producer to do this album. They're recording this live, and it feels that way. And there's no reverb on the whole album. If you hear any room sound, it's because of the sound of the room that they're in, which listeners, like a lot of times now, they will completely isolate an instrument and then add effects later to make it sound like it's in a large hall. Or right. when you get into these effects, they name them cathedral, bright, small church room. They name them according to the room that you're supposed to Carport. picture that you're going for. <laughs> Carport. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little bit of like hip hop infused. In what way? The beat. 
Okay. Almost like a slow jam. It goes back to the simplicity of yeah. it and the repetition. So in this song and in Lake Charles, the drummer, Donald Lindley, his nickname was The Clock, he plays the same beat. And that's what makes it feel like yeah. hip hop. It almost seems like a drum machine. That's how steady he is. He's the clock. Right, right. And there's no bridge. She doesn't do a lot of bridges. Mm-mm. She just sings the song straightforward. And the drums, whether first or chorus or turnaround, they just play the same thing. That feels very 50s. It feels very old school. Yeah. This song was inspired by a photograph, Matt. It's these three dudes in a bar. They've got pool sticks. But it was from a book called Juke Joint that was 60 photographs taken between 1983 and 1989 throughout the Mississippi Delta. Cool. And on the wall, it says, true love, June bug versus hurricane. And then it says, too cool to be wow. forgotten. Everything from that and maybe from other pictures in the book, she just turned it into a place. Yeah. You feel like she lived it. I guess you could call it the chorus, June bug versus a hurricane. Yeah. Not knowing that context, that those were two people, probably two nicknames. And June bug is so Southern. June bug is so, and hurricane is a, I mean, there's something so Southern. We've probably talked about it before, but the movie June bug with Amy Adams might be the most authentically North Carolina movie ever produced. They nail yeah, they North do. Carolina so they well. Do. I need to go back and watch June bug. Yola Tango did the music for that. Oh really? Yeah. Oh neat. Which they're not Southern, yeah. but it totally fits. It does fit. There's one scene in that movie where Amy Adams is walking through the house and there's a needlepoint yes. thing on the wall of the state of North Carolina. Yeah. And my family has three of those. I've been in that kitchen. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Virginia is that weird middle part of the eastern seaboard. Mid-Atlantic. Yeah. But my family's from South Carolina and then Kentucky yeah. and everything. A lot of the- Plus, you're horribly racist. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I've got that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next song we're going to cover is Metal Firecracker. Again, listen to the drums. They don't change. with the way she phrases this and it's a small nuance that i think is key the line is we'd put on zz top and turn them up real loud not turn it up real loud turn them up real loud it's almost like a personal connection yeah that's so important because i think that's how music lovers and fans of bands think about them whether it's rem or zz top or freedom rock Rock. turn it up man turn it up 
Is that Freedom Rock? Yeah, man. <laughs> well, turn it up, man. Remember the good old days? You know, war, protest. Going to jail. Well, man, we found this new album called Freedom Rock. It's got all those great songs we used to groove to back then. Just listen. If you're of a certain age, you're probably having PTSD right now. Yeah. Previous guest, Tim Hunter, and I laugh about another one of these kind of TV infomercials, and it's the Learn Pool Like the Pros. Do you remember those where they would show him doing like the behind the back pull shots? I don't remember that. That was another one. Seemed to be really big, at least on the channels we had. Metal Firecracker is about a different dude. And the next song, Greenville, is about a dude. Yeah, so we've got this woman who's trying to keep someone toxic out of her life. The way she sings it is just going back to Greenville. Like, this isn't Goodbye Earl. Yeah. It's not a female anthem. It feels real, though, because those female anthems are great, but there's something about the complexity of yeah. the relationship. It's often just not that easy. I want to slash your tires. Yeah. Go all carry Underwood on your pickup. There's scars and there's baggage and there's emotion. And it's just not that simple sometimes. One writer said the angelic harmonies from Emmy Lou Harris feel like solidarity, like mm. another woman carrying her safely through. Oh, yeah. Which I thought I, was cool. I can hear that. She's got Emmy Lou on here. She's got Steve Earle all over the album. She's mm-hmm. got Buddy Miller, Jim Lauderdale. What an underrated backing vocalist Mm -hmm. also there's something i love about a female folk or country singer with a guy like that singing back Mm -hmm. up gosh he sounds so unprofessional yeah i don't mean that in a bad way he's perfect pitch and everything but it just feels so natural it's almost like she's playing with her uncle and he happens to have a good voice yeah but he's not like professionally trained singer he's got a really great voice and beautiful harmonies together and on this one, Emmy Lou is so unmistakable. There's something really cool about when a lead singer with an unmistakable voice sings back up. Oh, yeah. When we hear Michael Stipe coming on the Indigo Girls Kid Fears. Are you on fire? Are you on fire? From the years. From the years. Adam Duritz comes in on 6th Avenue Heartache. Sting on Money for Nothing. Sting. Ooh, that money for nothing. 
it's like the pop and rock world's version of a guest verse. Yeah, exactly. You know, on a hip hop track. A, yep. Greenville's like Springfield in the South. Oh man, everybody has one. This might be an urban legend, but I remember hearing years ago there's a Greenville in almost every state, which I don't know if that's legit or not. Are there more Greenvilles or Springfields? I don't know. Even again, REM mentions a Greenville in Little America. Okay, here we go. These are, in every state, the most common one in the U.S. is Washington. Okay, that makes sense. Which does. The first place to be named after George Washington is Washington, North Carolina. Really? A.K.A. Little Washington. Man, North Carolina loves George Washington. Oh, man. I mean, there's that statue of him in the state capitol building because he visited. Yeah, right. That's it. He (laughs) just came to Raleigh and they're just like, put a statue up. Springfield's number two. Okay. Franklin is number three, Matt. Okay. These make sense because Washington and Franklin. Yeah. And Greenville's number four. Nice. The first one is in South Carolina. But you come for the music, you stay for the history. Thinking about the Roman Empire as we That's speak. Right. <laughs> now is the time when we challenge one another to remove a song. She's going to write a song about you saying, going back to Dunn. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> if you that don't hurts. remove a song off Carl Wheels on a gravel road. So if you had to, which one would it be? If I had to remove a song, and you might fight me on this one, I would remove Greenville. Wow. Yeah. It's so pretty. It's, it is pretty. It's got Emmy Lou. It is pretty, and I like how it builds up. I like her voice better when there's a little bit more energy behind it. The contradiction to that is I I love Jackson. Yeah. I think Jackson's just gorgeous. There's not a bad song on this album, no. especially being new to it. It's a tough call. The reason I played Greenville, it's not my favorite, but I wanted to showcase her and her guitar, whereas the other songs are built around her mm-hmm. but easily could have chosen Jackson that really is a pretty song mm-hmm. Matt I would remove Joy that was my second one it doesn't do it for me yeah that's it comes off a little lazy compared to the other ones it's fine but it's just that actually foreshadows her future where she gets into rapping who does it? we're not going to listen to that <laughs> because i want to listen to car wheels on a gravel yeah. road not listen to the mc yeah all right for the first time in season nine we've got sleepers wake me up before you go go don't leave me hanging on like a yo-yo these are songs that are not on their itunes essentials not on a greatest hits that fly under the radar a little bit. And the funny thing is, is on an album like this, no songs fly under the radar. Right. But it's not on her iTunes essentials, and I freaking love it. All right, let's hear it. My Sleepers is Lost. I think this is one of the best songs on the album. I love that song. And maybe it's the distortion with the guitar. Yeah. That feels to me like late 90s, early 2000s Americana. Yeah. Whiskey Town, like some Wilco stuff. Matt, speaking of Whiskey Town, in the audiobook, she said that Nashville became a party town towards the end of the 90s. And she says, quote, that's when Ryan Adams moved to town. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) She talked about that being a big deal because younger artists usually moved to New York or L.A. Yeah. 
and he moved to Nashville. Interesting. And Matt, she actually had a little bit of a fling with Ryan Adams. Whoa. Here's what happened. After a few vodka tonics one night, when we were laughing and having a good time, Ryan leaned over to me and said, we need to go somewhere and make out. So we went to the courtyard outside the bar, and we started kissing. At some point, I bit his lip. That's just how I am in heated situations like that. And plenty of guys enjoy it. Then I bit his lip again. He pulled away and said, don't bite. I said sorry, and he just got up and walked away and left. I didn't hear from him again for many months. <laughs> Lucinda, no bite. Lucinda. There you go. And she was like 15 years older. Yeah. Isn't that funny, though? I've never heard her talk. That's some interesting accents. Oh, she's, she's got, got that on. accent. She's got some great stories in there, but the Ryan Adams ones Whew. are like. <laughs> now it's time for your senior quote. In your senior yearbook underneath your picture, you get to choose a quote that represents the road that lies ahead, the journey you've been on, or some town name from. Car wheels on a gravel road. Matt, from this album, what would your senior quote be? My senior quote would be from the song Car Wheels on a Gravel Road, and it's a short one. It would just be set of keys and a dusty suitcase. Nice. Because I'm heading out. You're heading out. Peace out. Even there, like dusty suitcase. That's so visual. There's so many stories just in those two words. She's amazing. Mine would be from Too Cool to Be Forgotten. Bathroom Wall reads, quote, is God the answer? Yes. My little christian high school self either that or i'd be like too cool to be forgotten yeah peace out peace out fools okay lucinda i mean 25 years of car wheels on a gravel road sounds as good now as it did then check us out on social media whether it's x formerly known as twitter threads or facebook check out our website finestworksons.com and send us emails, finestworksongs at gmail.com, and we'll maybe read one of your emails in a future Kenny Gmail segment. See you next time. Here's another Lucinda classic to take us out. So...